What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Rogue Opinions. My name is Nathan, and it is the final episode of Opinions Are Strange, which means for the final time before we lock him back in a cryogenic chamber, never to have him return until the world is taken over by zombies, it's Carl Pierce. Hi, Carl. Hello, Nathan. Um, why am I being brought back when we're taken over by zombies? I'm not sure pres- what. I just presume you'd be some kind of zombie king. Ah, right. Uh, I just presume they would find you, and then they would all bow down. (laughs) Bow down to me, the zombie king! Yeah. Just in a post-apocalyptic world, that's what you would be. Some kind of zombie king. Yeah, well, if you're not around to eat your brains, I'm going to be disappointed. I'll probably just still be podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can just uh, I guess imagine Jimmy now, oh come on, the, the zombies are at my door, this is ludicrous. I was be messaging Jimmy like, come on mate, I don't care, you said we could podcast at half eight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this done, because WWE would still be going. Vince Vince would be into that, he'd monetize it'd be, zombies. Yeah, it'd be he'd be booking he'd be booking them, wouldn't they? The Undertaker just for these zombies. <laughs> oh, but opinions are strict. Final episode, so to bring to bring it to bring the realization to, we have decided we are not going to do the bonus episode. Yeah, it's not really canon. Um, I don't think it's going to really excite anybody. So it's probably the right decision there, Nathan. Yeah. So for now, this will be the final thing. We go for the final episode of Before the Storm momentarily. And then we will be taking a long break, but the series will be back for Life is Strange 2. We are going to wait until every episode is released so that we can do it weekly uh, rather than doing one episode and then waiting. Well, not one episode. I think there's two out at the moment. And, yeah. then, and then waiting for the third one and then waiting for, because I think they're doing five. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're going to do. So let's get into it. Um, for reference, a bit of devastation took place. We, um, my my Xbox One decided to have an existential crisis of itself and deleted all my saved data for all my games. Uh, the big reload process. Um, luckily, I didn't have to download, re-download any of the things I had saved on the hard drive, as in game-wise. But I did lose my save, so I have had to replay all of Before the Storm, the first two episodes, and obviously the third one that we're about to talk about. I did make some slightly different decisions. The only one of real relevance that I will bring up, or two, sorry, is during the first episode where David uh, tries to, when you're in the car and he's taking you to school and he says, do you want to talk? Rather than back chatting him, I just sit there and took what he was going to say. Um, Other than that, I did everything pretty much the same up until the choice that you get with Rachel after the play rather than taking the bracelet like I did last time, I took the kiss option and went down that path. Um, that So the only real change is David has a bit more, he's a bit more lenient with you when you're uh, talking to him and Joyce by the car. Um, he's a bit, he kind of says about how you did listen to him that time. And I don't have Rachel's bracelet. Other than that, everything is pretty much as it was uh 
Carl, give you just remind the people just off uh, the main decision. You took the bracelet, didn't you? I did, yes. And I back chatted uh, David in the car, which. Yeah, that's what I did originally, but I decided yeah. to go in a different direction for this playthrough. So, Before the Storm, episode three, the final episode of this story, Hell is Empty, uh, which is obviously a line that we said during the Tempest when we were up on the play. At the end of the second episode, we had just discovered that the woman that uh, James or Mr. Amber was kissing was, in fact, Rachel's real mother. Uh, now, we open the episode after the chat, um, and a little after the chat, obviously, and a bit of a brief summary of the previous two episodes. And it is Mr. Amber James explaining just who Sarah is. And we find out that Sarah uh, was slash is, we aren't sure at this point, a drug addict. And there's a really nice sequence where it's kind of like a dream sequence where as he's telling the story, you and... Um, you and Chloe or Rachel and Chloe are looking through the a viewfinder similar to the one from the first episode and kind of picking out the memories that James has with uh, with Sarah. What did you think of this? Yeah, I thought it's quite a nice little tool and a nice way to sort of view the memories. Uh, yeah. gives you a bit of interaction with it and it's a, it's a different way of going about it. As I say, I'm not sure if it's a dream or a a daydream or, or what it's meant to be, but it, I like it nonetheless. Yeah, I think I'm thinking of the theory it's just a mechanic to listen to the story so that you're not just looking at a cutscene for 10 minutes. Yeah. So I think that's why they've done it. Uh, there was a bit beforehand that I have just remembered, so apologies, that um, before Mr. Amber did start, he did ask, are you sure Chloe should be here? And Rachel said yes. Um. So we kind of see where the relationship's at at that point. I presume that was the same for you? Yes. yes it yeah, was. so really nice mechanic. Basically what we find out is that Sarah was James's high school sweetheart. She was the one that all the guys were after, but she picked her. Um, Sarah did something once where while she was alone with baby Rachel, um, she got so high that she passed out. So Rachel was basically unattended until James came home and that James or Mr. Amber has been paying Sarah money every single month um, since to basically stay away. Um, And he kind of says about how Sarah picked the money over ever getting back into Rachel's life. And that's what we that's what we find out. He even says every month for 15 years instead of trying to see uh instead trying to see rachel and after this chat rachel heads upstairs um on her own chloe stays downstairs but she says she needs to go lie down uh good opening i thought intense yeah very it sort of gives you a nice little backstory about what happened with uh james and sarah how they got together and why things sort of fell apart yeah exactly um you're then back to with first playable bit uh, other than a dream sequence. We can go have a chat to Rose um, or Mrs. Amber. In fact, you will introduce yourself as Mrs. Amber and you'll say, you're okay. And she'll say, I think you can call me Rose at this point. Uh, you get, she'll, Chloe will offer her help and uh, Rose will say, can you get the broom out of the closet? And this is where you get a point to get an extra T-shirt. Did you take the extra T-shirt? 
No, actually, I didn't even. Oh. No, you could talk to to Rose and. Uh, oh really? Oh no, uh, yeah. I just go straight upstairs. Okay, I'll explain in a bit more detail then. Uh, basically, you can go. You can have a chat with James and Rose after Rachel goes upstairs. If you go talk to Rose. Um, you'll introduce yourself as Mrs. Amber. She'll say you can call me Rose at this point. And uh, she'll basically be upset and by the sink in the kitchen. If you offer your help, she'll tell you there's a broom. If you go get the broom out of the closet, which is next to the fridge, uh, as you open that door, there will be a T-shirt, which is a ice cream cone with a fireball in it, like that sort of design. Oh, right. cool. Uh, it's in a box to go to a charity shop. And if you select it, uh, Chloe will say, hey, can I have this if you're getting rid of it? And Rose will say yes, and then get the broom out, give it to her. Uh, if you go and go talk to James, he'll basically explain how he's how it's kind of quite deep, and we're only going to talk about this in the context of the game. We're not going to branch off into any sort of serious discussion, but he'll talk about how many drug addicts he's seen. He's seen in his life as a DA because he's obviously district attorney um, and how being an addict can be so destructive without you meaning it to be. Uh, and he'll talk about how Sarah went down that path. As I say, we're only going to talk about that in the context of the game. We're not going to branch out at all. They're on the wrong podcast if you want that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's what he talks about. And Chloe will kind of say, Rachel has the right to choose. And James will make you promise, he will ask you to promise to look after Rachel and put her interests first. And then you can get a choice of to say, of course, or she deserves the truth kind of thing. Um, doesn't affect the rest of the game, but it's just a nice, it's a very serious conversation, but it's a good conversation to have. And that's all you can do downstairs before you go upstairs. So when you get upstairs, set the scene for us. So we go upstairs. Rachel is uh, lying on her bed. Um, I don't know if she's crying, but she's clearly upset, not not wanting to talk. It's all sort of dark in the room, and Chloe just wants to cheer Rachel up and get her talking, and she needs to find a way to do that. You can sort of look round Rachel's room, and you can sort of find out she likes stars and astrology. Uh, she has a little night light that um, yeah gives a, yeah. gives a little um, like star pattern on the roof, but it needs a bit more oomph, doesn't it? So um, she uh, looks for a way to give that a bit more power. Yeah, and you do that, you find a box basically filled with loads of stuff and it's got like a camping torch in there, uh, which very conveniently, Carl, I would call it, that the yes. just happens that the nightlight bulb, if you unscrew the top of the lens, I think that's probably what it's called, the lens of the torch to reveal the bulb in itself, it just so happens the nightlight fits over that and screws yeah. on perfectly <laughs> with no, no real trouble. <laughs> Probably made by the same company. But um, what that'll do is the nightlight basically has a star pattern on the glass, imprinted on the glass. So when you shine the light through it, it goes purple and the light and the stars appear as white, white blobs. Um, there's some other stuff around the room. There's Rachel's report card saying how incredible she is. There's a card from her mum and dad, or not, well, Rose and 
her dad uh, saying how great she is, basically. And after you do the nightlight thing, Rachel will jump on uh, Chloe. Sorry, again, Chloe will get on the bed with Rachel and tell her to look up. And Rachel, with tears in her eyes, um, will say about how she loves stars. Um, but then she kind of goes a bit sad about it and says how stars are lies because we're seeing them because light takes so long to get to Earth. Uh, we're seeing stars as they were then. Uh, they might not even be real. They might be dead by now. Um, and, yeah, they have a bit of a deep conversation about how Rachel uh, uh, wants to see her mum. And, and then eventually Chloe will talk her around into kind of in a very stars-related way. And we'll get the line, who cares if the stars are dead? As long as we can see them, they're real to us. Uh, deep conversation, but Chloe basically promises she's going to try and find Sarah. Yeah, it's it's a nice it's a nice little line actually. Um, because of the stars are that they're still real to us. It's uh, it's quite as you say, quite deep. I like it. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it was a good conversation. Now this is where we get. After this, we get possibly the creepiest of the uh, dream sequences with William, Chloe's real dad. Uh, yeah. He, obviously, they've fallen asleep. He is, William is sat on the, the stage that the Tempest was on. There's no one in the crowd apart from David Madsen, Joyce, Principal Wells, Victoria, Mr. and Mrs. Amber, and I think that's it. Sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, and basically he sat on a chair. There's four chairs sat, two and then two. And he's pretending to drive a car in the front seat. Chloe is sat in the diagonal seat in the back, um, in the top left of the car. And they're basically having a chat. And Chloe is dressed as Ariel, the character she played in The Tempest. And William says about how the car's not working. And you get the choice whether to play along with the improv or the, the set and get out, pretend to get out of the car and then go look under the hood. Or you cannot play along. Did you play along? Yeah, I played along. And Chloe gets up and acts like she's actually getting out of the car, pretending to open and shut the door and what have you. Quite a good little sequence. Which way did you go? Yeah, I did the same thing. And what she'll do is she'll pretend to open the hood um, or the bonnet, whatever you call it. And then she'll say, if you then carry on playing along, she'll say, oh, I think it's the spark plug. And William will say, no, I don't think that's it. I just had those changed. And eventually what will happen is in her dream <laughs> where you'll actually see a truck run him over. So an actual truck will run over William sat in a chair pretending he's in a car. I well, think that it doesn't make sense, but I hope I'm explaining it. Yeah, right. I don't. Th I don't think William is pretending. To him, it's real. I think. Well, yeah, he's he's a figment of her imagination. So this is her dream. Um, so he obviously is manifesting in her head while she's dreaming. So, but yeah, the character, the the dream version of William believes what he's doing, but he is just sat in a chair. <laughs> like pretending to do a steering wheel motion. <laughs> the, I don't know why this makes me laugh, but 
but afterwards obviously this will happen and uh, in the dream a truck will come across the stage and run over William and then Chloe will start crying and shout for her dad and the final thing you hear is Victoria just going boo <laughs> and then <laughs> it will end <laughs> sounds like Victoria yeah she just you just hear Victoria's voice go boo really creepy though to be honest and really well done Oh, apologies about my neighbour's dog. I put the window open next to me. It's not. Uh, it's not. Um, before the strange pod. Before the strange. Before the storm podcast without a cameo from your neighbour's dog, is it? Well, I always have to because it's summer. Uh, it's really. It's quite warm and stuffy here. I've just got the window open, and then every now and then it just goes nuts, like the little Jack Russell bastard. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, that's the end of it. That's the end of. Uh, of that bit so the next bit we come across Chloe you obviously skipped a little bit in the story that they don't show us because the very next scene after the dream is Chloe sneaking back into her mum's house through her own bedroom window how she got up there I don't know and that's something that I'd like to have seen Mm. I don't know because we've seen the outside of that house during the first I don't how did she get up there what did she do Maybe she's Spider-Woman. Yeah, maybe she's Spider-Gwen. Maybe she did that. But yeah, she sneaks into her room. And what does she discover immediately, Carl? Um, somebody's been having a good look through her room. Yeah, someone's been a rummaging because her room is a tip. Uh, her I bed's mean... been moved, her stuff's all out. We obviously, she's obviously presuming immediately that it's David. Uh, correctly, as we find I out. I think, about yeah, that. I think that's a safe assumption. I mean, David's a dumbass, though. I mean, if you're going to go rummaging in someone's room, at least try and make it look like you were never there, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, he's not He's not sneaky, considering yeah. he's becoming a security officer. He's not He's not a sneaky man. He's no, uh, he's no solid snake. He's got no stealth. Yeah, he's not. He's not in a cardboard box. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> so um, this is deep cut for any Metal Gear Solid fans out there. But uh, so Chloe calms herself down and actually acts a bit rational, consider and uh, sits on her bed and she's gonna phone up Frank to try and get some information on Sarah. Uh, she. Uh, rings him up he answers there's no chat back on this which i was a bit surprised about because this seemed like the perfect time to incorporate that mechanic i don't yeah, know what just, you think but... i've just had some messages from sean flash up on the screen and they've just made me chuckle yeah. i don't know if you've seen them i have <laughs> sean, sean sean we're calling you out live on opinions are strange um you said ages ago you'd do takeover. So live and die by your word. And also nobody deserves to be forced to do a podcast with you. It's just, we're not going to do a punishment that bad. It's as simple as that, really. Oh, yeah, the punishment. Like I know what it is. And have I told you? No. Ha. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. I won the last one. I'm not going to worry. I'll win again. God damn it. God damn it. But yeah, back to back to life is strange. God damn it. 
you ring up Frank and there's yes. no mechanic, which seemed like the perfect time to use it. I was a bit confused, like nitpicking the game because I had to replay it. Basically, I then began to nitpick a bit more because I knew the story so well. Um, this seemed like the perfect time to chuck that mechanic in. Uh, I don't know what you would have done for failure or success, but it just seemed like a perfect time because you're trying to talk Frank around to give you information. Yeah. And the end result, no matter what you say and no matter what you do, is he says, meet me at the junkyard in two hours. Now, quick question, Carl. Um, because Chloe goes very chill with her time at this point. It took a train ride in the first episode to get from wherever they were to the junkyard. Um, why does how quickly can she get to the where is this junkyard on the map because she's at home and she's like oh great i've got two hours i'll have a shower i'll have various conversations and then i'll just like teleport to the junkyard i really want to see a map of arcadia bay after this yeah i don't know but wasn't it to the the park they took the uh, the train to? oh yeah to the to the park but then they walked to the junkyard because they were walking down the track but it was only a slow-moving freight train, so um, it might not have been that far. Who knows? I don't know. They do it in Man. films and TV shows a lot, don't they? I just want a map. <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone, if if you're listening some and someone you feel like it, um, feel free to draw me a map of Arcadia Bay. But yeah, um, when you got two hours to do something, I usually find myself rushing around and She's yeah, just like, yeah all the time in the world. <laughs> I just don't understand how she got there. And Dye my hair, um, have a shower. Yeah, so... Yeah, uh, Frank says two hours meet you at a junkyard. You then get some texts from uh, Rachel. Uh, no, she texts Rachel saying about how her dealer's got some details on Sarah. Meet me at the junkyard in two hours. Uh, we then get texts of Victoria basically cussing us out um I, yeah that's that's pretty much it and now it's time to have a shower because she decides that she stinks which considering she spends most of her time at a junkyard i am yeah. willing to believe her it's unsurprising but now we get the most important moment in the game's history uh we open the door to walk to we hear some music which I don't know how thick her door is to her bedroom, but we did not hear that music whilst the door was yeah. closed. <laughs> lucky, lucky Chloe, she's got she's got a soundproof room. Yeah, luckily she's got a bank <laughs> vault for a room. <laughs> uh, we hear some classical music, kind of probably, I uh, think, 40s, 50s kind of jazz. That's what's playing. Uh, we can't hear Joyce and David, but they are obviously down there. And we walk into the bathroom. Our towel has been replaced on the towel rack by a blue towel, which is probably David's towel. But we find our pirate towel in a cupboard under the sink. And what's underneath it, Carl? Some blue hair dye. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it's some kind of uh, easy-to-apply hair dye. And she puts a nice little blue streak in part of her hair. Not our whole yeah. head of hair. So we are reaching original Life is Strange punk, Chloe. Yeah, we're we starting to starting to get there. The metamorphosis is happening. Yeah, exactly. Uh, have a shower, pick your outfit. Um, 
Wow, I can't. Do you remember what outfit you went for? I can't remember. Yeah, I put on like a, a dragon t-shirt, but there's a few yeah, choices, and they all sort of. She sort of starts dressing um, more similar to original Life is Strange Chloe as well from this point. Yeah, she's heading more punky. Um, I think I picked the same t-shirt. Basically, later on in the game, uh, you get a different bit of dialogue off Rachel, but that's about it. Um, the outfits don't make ever so much difference. And then it's time to head downstairs because we forgot to say the entire reason we're here is to get uh, Dad's toolbox so she can fix up the truck so it's movable. Um, that's why we've snuck back in. Before I went downstairs, did you go into Joyce's room? Uh, I didn't know. Okay, if you go into Joyce's room, you will find a receipt from um, Pawn Shop. That's P A W N. Keep your minds out the gutters, people. <laughs> Pawn Shop, because she has sold the uh, the ring she got from William. Ah. Um, you'll find a cash receipt. Uh, you'll also find a Mother's Day card that you gave to Joyce when you were only five. Um, out on the side, uh, because it's Mother's Day. Um, in when this is taking place and then it's time to go downstairs when you go downstairs the music obviously gets louder and you will see that David and Joyce are all lovey-dovey cooking some pancakes together um, and you'll just sit on the stairs and be like oh they're happy together and it'll kind of make I presume Chloe question things for a second about the way she's acted yeah perhaps so I don't know just made me feel sick to be honest People in love. Disgusting. Yeah, what do we want that for? Um, yeah, and then we'll try and sneak into the garage, the access to the garage that's to the left down the stairs, but we will get caught by David and Joyce. Uh, yeah, they'll... And then it's time to have kind of basically an awkward conversation. Is there um, any other sort when David is involved? Exactly. So if you went and saw the Mother's Day card, you'll get the option to say Happy Mother's Day uh, to Joyce when she gives you a hug. And then uh, basically just have a chat about they're hoping you're back and David will then say that he wants to talk to you. A serious conversation. So you walk into the front room and David basically says he's made an agreement with Joyce. If he's moving in, he will back off and take you at your word. If you say you're not doing drinks and drugs, then he will take you at your word. Is that the same for you? Yeah. Uh, it's important to know he does sound very forced when he's uh, talking about the so-called agreement. Yeah, he's not happy for it, for it existing at all. Um, you then do get the choice to call David out for going through your room and be like, hey, he doesn't believe me. He went through my room. Did you do that? I think so. I can't remember at this point. Yeah, so if you do that, Joyce will be like, she'll be shocked because she didn't know. Clearly, David will be like, I thought that's what we were saying about this. So um, I don't know. You kind of see the part of David here where he means well, but he does it in such a backwards way yeah he's i don't think he's like a bad person he's just not very social and um well we learn sort of... we learn in the first game eventually that he's not a bad person he's just a bit he tends to shoot himself in the foot yeah a lot of the time and kind of presume that he's meant to do this 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 and this um 
and I think that's where this kind of manifests. Um, basically, the end result is Chloe will say, hey, I've really got to go. Um, I am, I'm off. But David will then stop you again, and he will get out that picture of him and his friend that we saw in the first game when we were going through the garage of him and his friend in the army. And he'll tell the story about how when he was in the army, he did several tours with this guy whose name I've, sorry, horribly forgotten. Um, but then he was killed one day by a roadside IED. And that sent him a, basically a bit off the rails is kind of what he's getting at. And he had to kind of piece his life back together. And he invites you to kind of take the photo and think about all the things he said. Uh, did you take it? I did, yeah. Yeah, same. I, I couldn't not because he was I don't very... Think you, yeah, I don't think you can't in that sort of situation. Exactly. So at that point, Chloe will kind of say thank you and um, kind of see that maybe David's not so bad. And then she's free and she's off. I didn't get David's friend's name either. So don't worry, Nathan, we're both monsters. Yeah, we're both awful, 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 awful people. Uh, into the garage we go. We pick up William's toolbox that's next to David's. And we also find a book which should be helpful in fixing our truck. So convenient that it's just a book that yeah. happens to talk about the very engine we're about to go work on. I know, yeah. What, just, what are the chances? What is it? Oh, wow just amazing so off to the junkyard we go but um i did really enjoy that sequence i thought it was very well done um i thought it very expanded on the story of chloe and david that we don't really hear a lot about the origins of the story in the first game we just know that they hate each other yeah um it it does highlight the fact that david has got trust issues and I'm not too sure. He, he's going to trust her for Joyce's sake more more than he actually trusts her uh, himself, is what I get. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, you can fully tell that he loves he loves Joyce and he's trying to make things work with Chloe, but he's just, they're such different people that no matter what, they're going to disagree. And um, yeah, I think that's basically where it gets to. Yeah, so nice, nice bit of backstory with his uh, army tour and his friend and uh, losing his friend. So I described this next sequence from what we're about to do until the very end as one giant third act. And now the third act, traditionally, basically what I mean by that is if you're not a movie person, traditionally you have the first act, you have the second act, and the third act is your ending. I think this entire sequence is the end. Um, would you agree with that? Because everything we're about to do is really connected. Yeah, it's all, it's all, all sort of intricately linked, so I can go along with that. Yeah, so I think like that's kind of really when I think about this episode, which we'll summarise at the end, this episode is just one it's kind of like it, the 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 three episodes work together as the episode one is the first act, episode two is the second act, and episode three is just the ending in one giant sequence, and there's never really any downtime. Um, but I'll explain that more at the end as well. I mean by that. So we're we're at the junkyard. It's time to fix the truck. Uh, you've got your tools. Luckily, you only need three tools to fix this truck. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, you don't need anything else but a wrench, a screwdriver, and the other thing. Um, what was the other thing? Socket. Pliers. Uh, oh, yeah, pliers. You need one plier, one socket wrench, one screwdriver. That's how you fix a truck. Just are you going to tell me it isn't how you fix a truck, Nathan? Yeah, it doesn't matter sure how long. You know what? You know what's super lucky, Carl? It's so lucky that that truck is rusted as it is. And as long as it's probably been sat there, doesn't have a flat tire. It is, actually. Yeah, Chloe, Chloe would have been screwed if it had flat tire. Like, she would have been done for. Luckily, they're all perfectly up, and there's nothing wrong with this truck other than these things. You need to tighten the battery. You changed the battery in a previous episode. Don't forget that. But apparently, you didn't put the battery in properly. (laughs) (laughs) Because despite changing it in a previous episode, you have to fix the battery with some pliers. You have to blow into a carburetor so some gunk flies out of it. Uh, you have to. What else do you have to do? You have to tight socket tight wrench. Socket yeah. wrench something. <laughs> Just stick your socket wrench into something and twist it a little bit. And but you um, use a screwdriver to clear some yeah, muck off you, something. Yeah, you don't that's one thing. You have a screwdriver. You're not tightening any screws. You're using a screwdriver to scrape some gunky oil off of a thing. And then the truck, that's how you start the truck. Like, I I know people that spent a long time becoming mechanics. Well, I know two people that are mechanics. And they spent a long time <laughs> I mean, they training just, to do that. And they could have just done it in five minutes. Like, yeah. Haynes manual, yeah. a rocket wrench, and a screwdriver. What <laughs> idiots they are. <laughs> a Haynes manual on vaguely fixing a truck. <laughs> <laughs> and then all they need is a socket wrench, a screwdriver, some pliers, and to blow into a carburetor. <laughs> and that's how you. There's even a bit where you looked at the pipe covered in tape, and she just goes, oh, "I'm probably just going to leave that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> this is a baffling bit of this game. <laughs> Why did I mean... they include it? You're just you're just ruining it for me now, now Nathan. I thought that was spot on. You thought that's uh, how mechanics work. Yeah, yeah. Can't well, believe you're telling me otherwise. If I pick up this toolbox and walk to this truck with this book, I can fix it. Um, but there is one more issue. There is a spark plug issue. It's covered in what's it? It's obviously carbon. Uh, carbon. What was it? Carbon deposits. Oh, that was it. Yeah. All sorts of them. So there is the kind of sad moment where she walks up to the wreck of her dad's car, which was in the junkyard, as we know from previous episode, uh, and takes the spark plug out of that. As we know from the dreams, he had just changed them when he crashed. And obviously the car's not been used since, so luckily they survived. And she takes it from there. Um, And then I've written the... I don't know why I've written this. Oh, yeah, she goes into... And then the, the truck starts. That's it. After that. And she drives it around the junkyard a bit. And just kind of goes rallying and skidding around the corner. Skidding around corners. Do you remember that bit or am I making stuff up? 
I don't remember that bit, but... I, well, obviously, she finds I, out the truck starts. I didn't write it down. I know it definitely starts. And yeah, so then... She, yeah, 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 I remember. It's slightly different. No, the truck starts, so she drives it around the junkyard for a bit and then goes into her little... the little house in the junkyard. And that's where you find that there's a mirror. Oh, her hands are covered in oil. So she walks up to this rag that's hanging on a wall, pulls it off. That's and it. You find there's a mirror underneath it, and that's when Rachel turns up. Uh, Rachel compliments your hair. She says, oh, your hair looks, and Chloe goes, badass. Rachel goes, I was going to say it looks hot. So they flirt, basically. Yeah. <laughs> For like 30 seconds, and then Frank <laughs> turns up. Uh, Frank turns up in his big old RV, as subtle as a punch in the head is Frank as a drug dealer. He is, isn't he? Yeah. He but he's, he's not on his own, though, is he? No, because we kept seeing the name. We heard the rumours. And he's back. It's The Fiend. Oh, wait, no, sorry. It's, uh, it's Damon, <laughs> Damon Merrick, covered in tattoos and angry as fuck. He ain't happy. And what they're not happy about is that Rachel and Chloe have been asking questions about clients, about Sarah. Sarah's a client which massively contradicts where we end this episode at, but I will get to it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't, I don't quite understand either because she's, she's met, obviously she's, I mean, we think we can mention it now, obviously she wants to see Rachel now because she's supposedly clean, but if yeah. she's using Frank as a client, then... Uh, yeah, like, that's the thing. I, I don't I, understand! Where are spoilers, but I remember who's listening to this who hasn't played the game. So, um, yeah, they call Sarah a client, but later in the game, Sarah's supposedly clean. So what what's she buying off Frank? Perhaps she's clean from um, heroin, from heroin, but she's yeah. on something else. Like we, I mean, she's, she's like, yeah, I fine. Maybe she thinks she's in Canada and it's, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, where, like... that's where I'll be podcasting in the future, by the way. Uh, I'm moving to Canada, I've decided. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm clean. I don't do heroin anymore. And Chloe's like, why were you so specific? And she's like, oh, I'm still like, you know, like weekends, cocaine, long weekend. She's like, so you're not clean. She's like, oh, yeah, but I don't do heroin. It's like, you can't be so specific. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but it is. It, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to brunt that too, too much, but it is amazing how people do sort of delude and convince themselves into things. It is funny. I just can imagine Sarah being one of those people that's like, yeah, I only do cocaine. You know, it comes from a plant, so it's natural. And then Chloe's like, yeah, but it's you're not clean she's like it's natural don't be one of those people i'm vegan she's like you just said you do cocaine she's like yeah but have i said how it comes from a plant like it's natural chloe's like you're a you don't get to meet rachel <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck off <laughs> um so yeah da- damon's angry um angry as fuck uh, you can basically choose options to try and calm him down or to antagonize him a bit. And Damon basically tells you to back off. Now, Frank is there, but Frank's kind of saying to Damon, he kind of keeps saying, hey, we're just having a conversation here. We just need you to stop asking questions. And then they try to walk away to their credit. 
Damon and Frank leave it at that and they try to walk off. And this is where Rachel kind of freaks out a bit, starts um, berating Damon. And that's where Chloe says out loud, hey, Rachel, calm down. And Damon clocks it um, immediately that this is Rachel. This is Rachel Amber, who is the district attorney's daughter. Yes, uh, not what you want a hardened criminal to find out, I don't think, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I suspect he already knew from what we find out in a bit. but um, Or at least da- had his suspicions anyway. Yeah, Damon pulls a gigantic knife out of his pocket in true Crocodile Dundee fashion. Yeah. <laughs> I call that a knife. This is a knife. And... Uh, yeah, Damon's then talking to Chloe about backing off, and that's where Rachel strikes. She picks up a plank of wood, smacks Damon in the head with it, goes for him again. Chloe kind of freezes at this point, and as she's running up, she gets stabbed in the arm with the knife. Um, and Frank then rushes in, holds Damon back from doing any more damage, and that's where um, Chloe puts... Puts Rachel into the truck, who's bleeding everywhere, and drives off to the hospital. Uh, pretty intense sequence. Uh, we kind of saw how Frank Frank is very reluctant to be involved in this. Did you get that impression as well? Yeah, he's um, he's not as badass. Uh, we find out in the first Life is Strange, he's not quite as badass as he likes everyone to think he is. And he's certainly not down for attacking teenage girls so uh yeah it's uh i think he was quite freaked out by it really yeah he kept repeating about how we're just talking here and all basically frank wanted was for chloe and rachel to say we're going to stop asking questions and he could disappear with damon damon who basically it turns out is the big cheese in the drug dealing world and frank works for him um chloe and rachel arrive at a hospital chloe drags her in keeping her up kind of over her shoulder the nurses take her plop her on a on a kind of what's it called is it called a gurney yeah i was gonna say i think i think gurney. yeah and the nurses take her away and we see rachel sitting there in the waiting area of a hospital basically crying into her hands and that's where time kind of flashes by they show a sequence where people are coming and going as quick as anything and then uh mrs and mrs am mr and mrs amber sorry turn up and uh, yeah, they go. They go see Rachel. Chloe's sat there, and we come back into real time that isn't being fast forwarded with James walking up to Rachel. Not Rachel, Chloe, walking up to Chloe uh, to say that luckily, because of how quickly Chloe got her here, Rachel's going to be fine. Um, no one questioning. Why Chloe has a truck? <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> she's not driven before. Does she even have a driver's license? Yeah, no, no one questioning. I know the driving age in America is sixteen for most. Yeah, um, you see him drive do driving lessons in high school and all these programs. So, so maybe everyone does have a license by. Yeah, but... I'm not entirely sure how it works. But I'm also presuming that truck. Because she didn't change the number plates. So that truck was presumably written off. Because it was at a junkyard. Yeah, that's true enough. And now it's just back at night. Come, Arcadia Bay is a fucking hellhole. (laughs) But um, 
I thought we'd have it. She knows the DA, so maybe he can pull a few strings for her. Yeah, exactly. So Mr. Amber sits down and he basically wants, he asks, you get a choice here. He's going to ask you just a couple of questions about what happens. You reveal he knows who Frank Bowers is and he knows who Damon Merrick is. He knows them as soon as you mention them. Um, You can either tell him what happened truthfully or you can tell him what happened in a slightly skewed way. Uh, which direction did you go in? I went for the truth. Yeah, I went for the truth as well. I just told him word for word what happened, which basically you end up telling him that they told you to back off and then Rachel went apeshit. And she got stabbed um, by Damon. And yeah, that's it. And he will appreciate you telling him the truth and say that he does believe you. And uh, basically, Rachel's asleep at the moment, but as soon as she wakes up, he'll let you know to come speak to her, which is nice of him. Yeah, very and decent. Then, yeah, and then we're free to uh, to explore the little hospital area. Um, Steph will also come up to us. That's it, yeah. Yeah, and she'll tell us that Mikey is still in hospital. Or, or, or for you, it's Drew. Or Drew, yeah. Mikey, Mikey the Wimp. Mikey <laughs> the Wimp, who I will get to momentarily. How old is he, though? I mean, I I don't... Well, nothing I don't quite understand is Drew looks a fair few years older than Mikey, but they're they're in the same sort of... Yeah, there is... College. I don't don't know if... Well... I don't quite get it. Chloe is 16 in this game. So, presumably... Mikey looks about 12. So presumably Drew, I'm going to say Drew's probably a couple of years older and Mikey's a couple of years younger and Steph is the same age. Or basically Mikey, Chloe and Steph are the same age and Drew's like a year or two. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. Because some people at 16 do still look like they're 12. True, I did, so I can't say too much. And um, so, yeah, you can... You can also talk to Mr. North, Drew and Mikey's dad, who's outside. Uh, if you have the full conversation with him, you'll basically find out he doesn't have a job, and that's because of the Prescotts shutting down the, oh, what was it, the port? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, the docks, I think. The docks, something. that's it. Yeah, so he's still trying to find jobs. He's also being moved around from kind of homeless shelter because he doesn't have money to keep a home because America is a wonderful place. And... Um, yeah, and he gets a phone call, and then you can go in and see either Mikey or Drew. So for me, it's Mikey. Mikey, who I'm going to bring this up now, Carl. Mikey, in a in a in a medical system, in a healthcare system, as um, useless as America's, Mikey is taking up valuable rooms and money to take days in the hospital. Because he's got a broken arm. Like, yeah. Um, I'm just going to... I'm going to add... Because I legit broke my arm when I was nine. Nine. And I was there overnight. They, they did what they had to do. Put it in plaster. And I was released the bloody next morning. Oh, so, I've, bro- I've broken that, both And that was with the NHS. Yeah, I've broken both my arms. At the same um, time or at different points? Different times. I've broken the left one twice and the right one yeah. once. 
Um, I also done a wrist as well. And at no point was I ever in overnight. I was in, plastered up, given some given some pain stuff, wrapped up, sent home. Yeah, I mean, I was only overnight probably because by the time I'd been x-rayed and whatnot, it was like one in the morning. Oh, okay. Even I was kept in overnight when I broke my leg. I was kept. Yeah, in that's overnight. a bit different though, because you're 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 a bit less mobile when it's your leg, aren't you? Well, that and they had concerns over. I can't remember what it was now because I was really young, but they had some concerns about the way it was cracked. Like they were worried about something, so they would. Oh, it was something about they were worried I was going to lose feeling in it. So basically, oh, right. every now and then, the nurse would come up in the middle of the night. They'd wake me up, and they'd do like a test on, because they had it strapped up, but they would do a test on my big toe, where they would basically poke it and ask if I could feel it, and then they would leave me alone again. But I was quite young, so I don't remember what the reason behind that was. So if someone does know that, please tweet me at Nathan Greenaway and let me know uh, why they were doing that, because I was too young to remember, but they woke me up four times in three or four times in the night oh, and they would, just, right. they would just poke my big toe and ask me if i could feel it and then leave me alone so don't know but say if anyone knows at nathan greenaway let me know um nerve damage or something that's a bit of an odd one i would need to i won't do it now because we're recording but i will follow i will ask my mother next time i speak to her um but yeah uh you can then well, we're going to have different things, so I'll go first. You talk to you talk to um, talk to Mikey, find out where he is. You can sign his cast. You can either do something or draw art, like some weird, fancy, like armor design on his cast, which is what I went with. I can't remember what the other option was. He basically says how he's fine. Drew asks a few questions about Rachel. You can either you can basically either place the blame on him and say oh yeah damon's done this because of you or you can say about how be very secretive and say how oh, you've got your own problems with damon it's nothing to do with you and then steph will say oh if i ever see him i'll attack him and then everyone will take the piss out of steph and basically say, oh what are you going to do play D D with him and kind of rip into a, a rip into her a wee rip into her a wee bit and uh which is a nice fun conversation uh you can also look at all the balloons and stuff that people have sent and then you're on your way uh what was it with drew it's not massively different really um they compliment chloe on her hair you probably get that as well um drew will ask you why you're in the hospital and we'll sort of explain to him about um what happened uh, you get a choice whether to tell him what happened exactly or make some up. I told him it was Damon Merrick because he's um, sort of laid out in hospital. He says, oh, I wish I could get my hands on him and I'd give him a good thrashing. Funny how he doesn't say that when uh, he's not in the hospital bed, though, in, in yours. And um, we basically uh, leave and go to see Rachel. Uh, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing. Uh, did you also get the thing where you can place the blame on Drew and kind of make him feel like shit, or you can kind of say how you got your own problems? Yeah, I just 
say, obviously, so that it's uh, our problems. Yeah, you don't need to blame he's him in a for bad, everything. He's in a bad enough state as it is. He's not. Also, he he's not too sure how his knee will heal and if he'll uh, be able to play football again. Because obviously, yeah, you hear a lot about these footballers having to retire when they have certain knee injuries, which is a shame. But yeah, they're able to go into wrestling. So exactly, we're we're able to get Mojo Rawley. Don't worry, guys. So maybe Vince will sign Drew up as the next big thing. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, you then get a text off of Mr. Amber who says, uh, Rachel's awake, she'd love to see you. And then, Carl, in the what? first episode, you discounted my theory. You threw it in the proverbial trash. You called me a fool. You didn't. You said to me, <laughs> oh, I've never noticed there being any fantasy stuff to do with that fire. Did you speak to the firefighters, Carl? I did hear them talking. I was going to mention this, actually. You, did you, you hear them? Did you hear them They say, say it's just gone out. And, I've uh, never seen a fire yeah. extinguish itself. I told you. <laughs> Coincidence. I was right. No rain. Rachel gets hurt. She's laid up. Suddenly the fire, poof, it's gone. I told you. Coincidence. Man, I'm clever. Coincidence. <laughs> but I'm, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm kayfabe. I'm kayfabe. The the there's basically two firefighters sat in the um, in the hallway. Yeah, in the hallway by some rooms. And if you listen in on their conversation, they talk about how they were working on the fire and then all of a sudden it extinguished itself and it's now gone out. Um. And they said, oh, I've never seen a fire act like that, which does lead heavily towards the fact that there was something strange about this fire that Rachel started. Yeah. I mean, I never thought about it before, but since we started doing this pod and you mentioned that on, on this playthrough, uh, when certain things have been mentioned, like Rose, Rose saying, this, like, I've never seen a fire burn like this so quickly. And then the fireman saying, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's just gone out as just, as we say, at practically the same time as Rachel's laid out. It, 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 yeah, it does make sense. Your theory. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's something a bit weird there, and I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to pretend like I invented this theory. Like I'm presuming that's what they're heavily hinting at, um, and it's just that you never noticed it. So to to go non kayfabe, but in kayfabe, you should have listened to me, Carl. <laughs> Coincidence. SummerSlam's <laughs> coming up in 11 days or 12 days, whatever the date is. I'm coming for you. I'm bringing Rachel's fire. And, you do uh, that. You do yeah, that. I will. Forget the, forget the fiend of Ethan Balor. It's all about Nathan V. Carl. And, um, yeah, so into Rachel's room you go. And, uh, yeah, you have a brief chat with James and Rose, and then they leave you on their own. And Chloe starts to apologise for choking at the junkyard. She says she froze whilst Rachel was doing all that. She's incredibly sorry about that. Rachel says, you saved my life, like I'd be dead if it wasn't for you, which is basically what James had hinted at earlier, said if you didn't get here as quickly, Rachel would be gone. And in the end of this conversation, she will ask you to find Sarah. Uh, 
pretty intense conversation, I thought. Like, very well done again. Yeah. And basically the hope is uh, Chloe's going to be able to find find uh, Sarah. You can either act like you're incredibly sure that you're going to be able to pull this off, or you can act reluctant. Um, I went with incredibly sure and said, oh, yeah, I promise you I'll do it. Yeah, I did as well. I think that's the, the way she would be, considering Rachel's state and that. Rachel also does uh, tell you about... Um, James's office and where to find the key and how to get into and how to how to get into his office the codes her birthday to get into his office so she gives you that information as well yeah what is it 2712 or something yeah I didn't bother writing that I just thought it was a birthday yeah I didn't either yeah but it, yeah you are right that's the last thing that she says and as we walk out of the hospital we walk up the corridor and who do we see but it's only goddamn Elliot with a hot dog balloon yeah. I don't know who he's here to see, I presume Mikey or Drew. I don't know. Uh, Drew in mine, I would I would imagine. You'd think so, but he's here. He's acting strange. He's on about how he's worried about Chloe, how Rachel's bad for her. Um he asks about what's up with Rachel, why she's here. You can either tell him the truth or you can keep it from him. I kept it from him. Did you do that as well? I told him the truth, actually. Don't know oh, what does, he, just... what does he say then? No, nothing much different, really. I don't think. He just goes on about how Rachel's uh, a bad influence and he's worried about uh, Chloe's closeness to her and whatnot. Yeah, that's pretty much the same. So in here, if you say if you say it's a secret, she wants to keep it private... He'll be like, oh, it's funny how she wants to keep it private. Mah, 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 mah. And uh, in the end, he'll basically say he's always there for you. And off we go. But he's acting like a bit of a creep. Yes, just a little bit. So he stares at us as, as we get into the elevator, which is weird. And then we are off to the Amber's house to sneak in. And there's that door on the right as you come through the front door with a panel next to it. In the cutscene, you don't have to remember it, luckily. Um, you'll just do it in the cutscene. Yeah, yeah. Into, probably won't write it down. Yeah, into the DA's office we go. And it's time to find clues on where Sarah is. So, bit of a puzzle sequence, basically. There's loads of files around. There's a pin board with clues to something that we don't know yet. There's a filing cabinet. And then there's the main desk. On inside the main, well, not inside the main desk, attached to the desk, you've got four drawers, and the bottom right hand one, as you look at the desk from where the chair would be, is locked with a key. Not suspicious at all. I think I think she will also hear a phone go off as well, won't she? Yeah, she does as you're as you're in, yeah, you do hear a phone go off. Um yeah, if you you want to find the key, the key is inside the kind of best dad ever trophy uh as you pick it up to look at it you'll shake it and you'll hear some no as you put it down you'll hear it shake um yeah there's a lot in here so i think we're just going to rush kind of get through it quite quick the key's yeah, in there quite a lot to go through in this bit isn't there yeah you basically you open the drawer with the key there's a box inside there with a phone in it and a load of letters those letters are letters that sarah has sent to rachel that never made it to her yeah, so although he's he's saying she's 
never wanted to make contact with Rachel. She she has tried to keep in touch with her through these letters, but in true sort of soap opera sort of style, uh, the letters have never reached the, the the intended. I don't know why you would do that, though. I mean, if he's trying to keep you away from her, what, what makes her think that he would let her read the letters? Yeah, it's all very strange. Um, there's also a letter in there which is from a lawyer on behalf of Sarah, basically about denying access, and yeah. there'll be a load of checks that were never cashed. Um, she, she stopped cashing the money. So when James said earlier she took the money for 15 years, she didn't. Um, is basically what this is showing. Um, the main thing is this phone. Now, this phone, as it turns out, rather abruptly you realize you'll get there's text from an unknown number talking about how oh, I hope she's okay. And it's very apparent immediately that this is Damon Merrick yeah. and that James has a direct line to Damon. You find out pretty quickly as well that Damon has Sarah and that he, you two have made a deal of some kind. And he's talking about, have you destroyed the evidence? Uh, you find out, Basically, in the filing cabinet in the corner, there is a box. It contains a knife in an evidence bag, a glove in an evidence bag, and something else that I can't remember in an evidence bag. But basically, a crime got committed. It's easily linked to Damon. And one of those things, and it turns out it's the glove, is incriminating to him. So we basically find that James Amber's full of shit. Yeah, he's... He's certainly not the best dad, I would say. I would say. That, that he, trophy is undeserved. He is not. So after finding out which piece of evidence he's on about us destroying, it's the glove. Uh, you burn the glove in a trash can. But on the phone in these texts, by the way, you are pretending you are James Amber and you're basically texting him back. But he's playing games with you and he's supposed to tell you where he is with Sarah but he's holding on because he wants to know who is the snitch. Yeah, um, you've got a choice of people, haven't you, you can uh, point the finger at. Yeah, you can point the finger at Frank Bowers, which, um, or you can point the finger at the sleazy guy from the bar, whose name I think was Sheldon, um, or you can point the finger at the bouncer from the very yeah. first scene at the club. I think if you do enough snooping around, I think it is the bouncer that is the the actual um, snitch. snitch. Yeah, uh, yeah. I accuse Sheldon the sleaze from the bar. I think um, I think in one I tried to accuse Frank to see what happens, but he he just doesn't believe you. Yeah, obviously if you've not, Frank. If you've not tried to do that. But I, no, I, I did just to see. Have. I I did just to see what would happen, and he, he just doesn't believe you. So you have to you have to find someone else. Uh, okay, at least Frank's safe then. Um, even after you accuse, no matter who you accuse, he will then ask you to show him the money. Um, you snoop around and find out that behind a load of books, where you see some scratch marks for some how heavy these books are. I have no idea. Yeah, I think you see some like shavings as well, don't you? Where he's obviously. Saw in the hole and not cleaned up properly after himself. Yeah, pretty much. And then you, um, behind there, though, there's a ton of money. Um, and you take a picture of it and send it to him. And you find out they're at the mill. 
basically she he sends you a picture of sarah tied to a chair and you quickly notice in the background they're at the mill which is the venue from the first episode that firewalk were at the concert you were walking to so off we go free as a daisy nope because in comes the stalker himself god damn it this entire time that motherfucker it's elliot and he just walks into the amber's house uh nice and he's got issues this lad he has got issues he he grabs the money from the desk and says what the hell have you got yourself into talks about how rachel's a bad influence brings up all the scenarios about you either getting suspended or expelled from school depending on choices you made about how you got attacked at the concert you're defending rachel and obviously saying hey those were my choices and rachel just happened to be there and what it comes down to is he locks you in the room and refuses to let you leave until you talk to him He's acting like an absolute psycho, basically. Yeah. And uh, he's refusing to let you leave. He's saying you need to give attention to him. Uh, he's a psychopath, basically. And you get the choice to either just see how it plays out, or you can do the chat back thing and try and talk him down. If you do the talk him down thing, you will, when he's not looking and he's ranting, grab the phone that's James to Damon Merrick and use it to call the police, put it on the desk and stand in front of it. So basically the police can listen in on the conversation without him knowing. And did you successfully chat him back? I did. Yeah. And she'll sort of say a few like key words once you're like, I'm trapped and I want to leave. And yeah, that's what I did as well. Yeah. That's what I did as well. Um, You chat him back and basically convince him that you're, uh, by doing that you basically say things out loud and rather loudly so it'll be like oh yeah i just feel so trapped and basically people on the other end of the phone will know that that's a clue and you're doing something secretive here you would hope so (laughs) yeah if they're well trained you'll basically at that point as elliot basically gives you a hug without you wanting a hug you'll hear sirens in the background the police will turn up. Elliot will say, oh, it's okay. I'll just go talk to them. And you'll grab the money and sprint out the door and out the back. This actually leads to Elliot being arrested and then kicked out of Blackwell. As we but find out in the final montage. They do get there remarkably quickly, to, considering we only just rang the, um, the number. I mean, I know they probably thought, Christ, it's the DA's office, we better make a move. But still, they're, but they're very quick. And what does the hell does Elliot think he's going to say to them? Oh, yeah, we, we just happened to uh, break into the DA's house by accident. Uh, I'm not too sure what he, th- how he thinks he's going to talk his way out of it. Yeah, I don't know what his plan is here. So um, I've got no idea. He hasn't thought uh, it through, has he? Let's face it. Yeah, so if we go to well, now, now we're off to the mill. We're off to the mill in a truck as quick as we can. Uh, we're driving down the road. We're um, kind of distracted, and a tr- and convenient and weirdly, a truck nearly hits us. Yeah, I think she looks at like the patch of blood that Rachel left. Um, from the trip to the hospital, I think that was what distracts her, and yeah, she nearly runs into another bigger truck. Yeah, exactly. And we swerve off to the side, 
And then we're into the final dream sequence. And off, off we go. And basically, Rachel's dad is now sat next to her. They're talking about how they found out Rachel's dad's a liar. Rachel's, uh, Sonia, Rachel, Chloe is wondering if her dad ever lied to her whilst he's talking to kind of the dream, dream version of William. Hmm. And uh, the dream version of William is kind of saying, oh, would you rather know that I'd lie to you or would you rather not? And what this basically ends up being is that Chloe needs to let her dad go. Yeah. And let him out. And yeah, it's all very, it's all very strange. Uh, this, what did you make of this conversation? Uh, yeah, as as I say, it's almost like uh, trying to figure things out in her head, basically, um, about how Rachel's dad has lied to her and how he, you know, how he could say, you know, tell her such big lies. And I think probably all parents have lied to their children to some extent, but not quite. You know, I'm talking like little white lies like saying Santa's real and that sort of palaver not lying about your your mum not wanting to see you and what have you. Yeah, exactly. And um I just thought it was I thought this was really well handled. Because it was basically like yeah. uh, it was a girl trying to deal with her grief and that's what the manifestation of William is. It's a girl trying to deal with her grief for the fact she lost her dad. And like there's even a bit where he was saying, oh, do you want me to go now? And she was like, no, I want the company. While she was talking to this, she was really driving and she was basically, she was pretending to talk to her dad and they were showing us her dad sat in the passenger seat. Like she yeah. was at, she was actually driving, but they were showing us the person she was pretending to talk to. And um, I thought it was really, really well done. And we got to see how, Chloe kind of accepted the fact that her dad was gone. Yeah, because even if she asked him to to tell her about the lies, he goes, "Look, I can't tell you because I'm dead." Yeah, and he does that even if you say, "Don't tell me," he's like, "Well, I wouldn't be able to anyway because I'm dead." And it was kind of like it was that they always say that grief comes in stages, and she in this scene she reached acceptance. Yeah, I was going to say about the same thing actually. Yeah, which um, it was really, really, this was, in honest, honestly, this was one of the best handled scenes in the games. Like, they te- they handled the heavy stuff super well. Like, they handled the Kate Marsh stuff super well in the first game. Uh, they handled kind of Rachel finding out that her who she thought was her mum isn't her mum really well. And then they, but I think they did this really, really well. Um, and I think it's generally one of the best sequences in the game, in both games. Yeah, it's, as you say, it's, it's, I can't really add much to that. It's very well handled. Yeah, so they let him. Go, she lets him go, and when she arrives at the mill, he's gone. Like, the, the dream version of William has disappeared. The seat's empty. There's even a bit where she turned on the radio, and it was the country music song. And then she said, no, it's now my music. Yeah. And kind of <laughs> then, it was kind of like her going, you don't, your memory... I love your memory and I love you, but you don't control me anymore kind of thing. And she put on her own rock music. We got to see punk Chloe as she headed towards the mill. Really, really, really well handled scene. Um, but we get to the mill 
Uh, we get out the car. We see Frank's RV. There is a big patch of blood next to the door, uh, which she's obviously concerned about. She knocks on the door a couple of times. Frank doesn't come out, and we walk into the mill. The mill has obviously been burnt down, um, but it's still, part of it still stands, but it's all like black charcoal wood, basically. Yeah, and, it's uh, not in the best state. Yeah, not at all. And um, not at all. Uh, as you walk in, you're trying to walk. Uh, you can pick a knife out of the wall. Did you take the knife? Uh, I don't think I did. I did on one playthrough, but I don't think I did on this playthrough. Yeah, I, I took it and I just because I didn't last time um, when I played through it. So you walk through to the back area where the concert was, where the mosh pit was, and Sarah is tied to a chair. Damon's talking to her. You'll get to a cut scene where Chloe's hiding behind the wall, and Damon is talking about how James wants her here and how she will always be a junkie. And on a table next to him, he's got his knife, and he's also got a syringe of presumably heroin. Um, yeah. So he's got a syringe. Because he's on yeah. about how it's so hard to kick this stuff is a line that he uses. Yeah, he's obviously going to give her a dose to get her hooked again, basically. Yeah, so this all happens, and this is one of the things that I'm not a big fan. This scene is so... For a game that takes its time on everything, and everything is given time, this really wasn't... Would you agree? Uh, yeah, to an extent. Yeah, it is a bit... Yeah. Well, I'll talk rushed. you through... I'll talk through what happens. You walk out... You've got the money. You then get the choice if you picked up the knife to pull out the knife or to just say you've got the money or to say nothing. No matter what, Damon will walk up to you and backhand you. Say, oh, it was you on the phone. He'll then see the phone. He'll pick up the phone. It's, the, it's James's phone. And see you were the one texting him. He'll kick you in the stomach. He'll kick you in the head. Um, Sarah will say to back off. Then Frank will appear. Uh, from where you were he's clearly wounded and after a brief exchange a very brief exchange they'll have a fight that you won't get to see because chloe passes out and then when you wake up sarah's free sat at the table where damon had the knife and the drugs smoking and frank will be gone and damon will be gone and that's about what I've just said there happens in about 30 seconds. All of that. Right. Yeah, I mean, you don't know how long she was out for, but it makes you wonder why no one wanted to thought to get Chloe some proper medical help if she'd been well, uh, that... knocked out. The issue I have with it is, is why did they build up Damon for this final 90-second sequence? They built up Damon as the big bad, and this final sequence from when you hide behind a wall and listen to him talk about how James wants you here and it's hard to kick heroin, to him being taken out by Frank, because presumably Frank kills him, is what it is hinted at in the very end. Yeah. That's about, that's about 90 seconds. So a game, a game series that takes its time and tells these great stories... They built up this Damon Merrick and then he's just taken out in a cutscene and we never get to see it. And we, we don't know. We, I presume Damon's dead, but I don't, we don't know that for a fact. 
like we're never shown it like we're shown in the final montage frank looking in a box that has pictures of him and damon putting it down and pouring some beer next to the box which is very hinting towards the fact he had to kill him and he's sorry that his friend's gone Mm. but we don't get to see any of it and i just don't understand why did they build up damon merrick for this inconclusive ending to the character the actual ending to the game is conclusive but i don't i don't get it i don't know am i missing something it, it doesn't bother me so much to be honest um i mean it's not like um some sort of sort of shoot 'em up game or something where you have to go and take out the the main boss of the game. He's he's just a he's just a carrot. He's just he's just a character and maybe he's built up to be a bit more important than he actually turns out to be. But he is he's just been sort of used by uh James at the end of the day. I think James is probably the true sort of villain. Yeah, I 100% agree about that. He's kind of the main villain of the game, in a sense, because we find out that this was all a setup from James. Um, but to leave that, I'm not going to rag on it too much, because there's no point. Um, but I like, I, I like things like that sort of being left to the imagination. Yeah, we because sort of it does look like Frank's probably had to, had to kill him. But, uh, I mean, I don't mind not being completely sure. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so Chloe will then wake up from her probable concussion because she got punt kicked in the head. Um, she'll sit down at the table and it's time for Sarah and Chloe to have a chat. Sarah will weirdly know who you are. Like, by name and surname. Yeah, I mean, well, she has been... We saw her outside the play and whatnot, so she's probably... Um, yeah, been around yeah, just keeping was... keeping tabs on Rachel, so she's she's probably it's not um, beyond the realm of reason that she's found out a bit about her best friend. Yeah, completely. And um, so she'll talk about what this comes down to is that Sarah wants you to look after Rachel, um, but she does not want you to tell her about what James did. She wants. Rachel to live in the beautiful world of ignorance. Ignorance is bliss. She says that if you don't tell her, then Rachel has a perfect family. She'll be happy. Uh, She doesn't need this. But if you tell her, you'll be ripping her family and her world from her. Uh, Chloe will argue that Sarah should see Rachel. And that's where you get something that I don't get. So would you like to talk through the importance of the bracelet? Yeah, well, um, yeah, as you say, we have quite a bit of back and forth whether to tell um, the truth or not. Um, and then she um, t- tells her about the bracelet and says, I think Rachel would like you to have it. But then Sarah admits uh, it was her bracelet all along and she gave that bracelet to Rachel when she was very little. Yeah, and then... I think, um, about, I think that's about it for that particular sequence. Yeah, and then um, what will happen then? For for me, basically, you get to try and convince Sarah. You don't get any of the back chat thing, unfortunately. But um, 
Sarah will basically leave and give the choice up to you. She'll walk to the back door of the mill and then will say, the choice is yours, but please look after Rachel. And that's what this all comes down to. Yeah. And then she'll walk off and you will be taken away to the hospital where you walk into Rachel's room. Rose and James are asleep on either side of the bed. Rachel's obviously in the hospital bed and uh, she's asleep. Rose and James will wake up and say, oh, come back later. Rachel's asleep, blah, 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 blah. And um, then Rachel will wake up and say, oh, it's okay. And send Rose and James on their way and it'll just be Rachel and Chloe. And this is where the big choice comes down to. And uh, so I will just ask you, did you tell Rachel the truth about her dad or did you hide the truth from her? Uh, I told her the truth. Well, that's good because I hid the truth from her. So talk us through what happens if you tell the truth. Okay, well, to be honest, I didn't write this bit down, so I have forgotten a little bit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Um, She is pretty... I honestly can't remember because I was getting bored of writing, so I just (laughs) start writing so much that I've gone on to the ending sequence. Um, We do get... We do get um, a bit of a change to the ending sequence because of the bracelet and whatnot. Yeah, so, um, yeah, when we get to... Well, let's just talk through your entire ending and then I'll talk about my entire ending because, obviously, you tell her the truth, she's devastated. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 clear, goes without saying. Um, and then you kind of get the sort of... the musical montage and... Um, this is where we see Frank by the fire, um, looking at photos, and he's got all the bits of Damon stuff that he uh, he burns in a fire he's made outside his uh, RV. So he's obviously trying to burn evidence and and whatnot. I think by the looks of it, uh, you see David proposing to Joyce. She clearly yeah. says yes by her reactions, yeah, as you say. Like- they come over and hug you because you're just in the other you're just yeah. in the dining room area which i don't think she's uh, too thrilled about um uh yeah elliot being um kicked out of school and yeah escorted out of the campus um you've got you drew, drew, drew playing, playing dungeons yeah. and dragons with uh mikey yeah, um, Samantha, the weird girl walking up to Nathan, and well, not sorry, Nathan walking up to yeah, Samantha, she but she him. walks off. You got Victoria looking at Ethan whilst he's taking all of his photos. Yeah, and um, and then before we get to the final bit, I'll just talk through what happens if you hide the truth from her. If you hide the truth from her, Chloe will basically break down in tears, uh, crocodile tears, because she will say she couldn't find Sarah. Rachel will say, oh, I thought you were, you were so sure yesterday. But she'll obviously forgive you straight away and thank you for trying. And she'll say, oh, can we try again tomorrow when I'm out of here? And Chloe will say, of course, even though she knows Sarah's gone. Um, and then they'll kind of basically have a moment and it'll cut away to the ending montage. Chloe will kind of walk past James looking rather frosty. And uh, then we hit the montage. Um, Chloe, there is a scene where they're having a family dinner, Rose, James, Rachel and Chloe. And Chloe's kind of looking a bit glum, obviously to say like she knows something, but she yeah. knows she can't tell her. 
the implication of Damon's death, David and Joyce proposing being excluded off campus, Drew playing D&D, Samantha walking away from Nathan, Victoria seeing Ethan. I wrote these all down. These aren't off the top of my head. And then we'll get to the main one, which is outside Blackwell Academy. Chloe pulls up in her truck. Principal Wells is standing there looking at Chloe and then Rachel will run past her, jump in the truck. And as they drive away, Chloe will flip off Principal Wells in quite a funny way. Yeah. Um, and then presumably this is where our ending changes because my final scene of the montage is them at the lighthouse sat on a bench, Chloe looking a bit down. There's music playing in the background, so we can't hear any of the dialogue. And... Um, and they just hug. But what is it for you? Well, yeah, um, we are at the lighthouse as well. Uh, I think at this point, Chloe has got her hair dyed uh, completely blue. Um, yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, uh, who, who appears? But uh, Sarah appears at the lighthouse. I imagine this is probably been arranged by Chloe uh, otherwise how would she know they were there and uh, yeah they ba- you basically you, obviously you can't hear anything you've got the music playing but basically uh, Rachel and Sarah have an embrace uh, oh, that's... Uh, yeah that's quite a nice ending I think I think you only get that as you said of the, the bracelet yeah, so the bracelet basically lets Rachel and her uh, mum, Sarah, meet. Um, if you took the bracelet off there, you do get the conversation options to make that happen. Um, after that, we then basically enter into Chloe showing off her freshly dyed kind of rainbow hair. And then we enter into a montage of them being just friends hanging out. They're in a photo yeah. booth. We've got tattoos tools. together as well. Yeah, tattoos together. And then, uh, and unfortunately, then after the credits, the final thing we see is a close-up camera of Rachel's phone ringing for the 17th time. Yeah. And the flashing of a camera in the background. We can't see why, because it's obviously Rachel in the dark room from the first game creepy ending to set up if you do want to go back and play the first game again from before the storm but we got to see a hell of a lot we got to see what the relationship who rachel amber was who was such a giant part of the first game without even ever being in it it's, it's so strange she's an absent character but she's so vital to uh, the plot and the components of the game. Yeah, exactly. In the fir- in the, you know, in the first one, and again, this this little this almost a mini game, I suppose. It's only like three parts. So it gives you a really good insight to who Rachel was, um, how her and Chloe became friends and such good friends, and there was perhaps a bit more than friends, especially on Chloe's part, I would say. Um, yeah, and I think if you if you take the kiss option during where you can take the bracelet, yeah. that kind of confirms it. But then that really leads into the first game nicely because obviously Rachel had the thing with Frank. So um, I just think I think it's a I think it's a really wonderfully done prequel. And I think yeah, it, it answers all the questions people wanted answers without answering any stupid ones. Like, uh, 
Sorry, yeah, go on. Carry on, sorry. I was just saying. Okay. It, it's, just, <laughs> it's a shame <laughs> in a way that she went she went through all that, discovering that Rose wasn't her real mother and finding out who her real mother was and whatever option you take and how your game plays out, even finally meeting her real mother, only to meet a, a horrible demise just uh, probably, put, would it be a, a year or two later, perhaps? Uh, two I'm not years. Complete, not completely sure on the, the exact timelines. but it's about, it's about two years that the next game is, because yeah. they're, they're 16 in this game, they're 18 in the next one. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a very sort of sad story, really. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but I think it's wonderfully done, really well handled. I think oh, each yeah. episode, each episode Definitely. grows and answers. The key questions we really wanted answered was why does Chloe hate David, and why does David hate Chloe? What was the relationship between Chloe and Rachel? Why was it so goddamn important to her um, that she would go so far? What kind of happened with her and Max, which we kind of get hinted at? in yeah. various conversations about how and if you check the journal especially you can see max wasn't answering texts chloe was sending letters but she wasn't she clearly wasn't getting any back and um, but she talks about her all the time uh how, why was chloe kicked out of blackwell was a good one to answer where did yeah. the truck come from but i just think it was really well done and a great series and um the really the last question i have to kind of end this series off um, for Chloe and Max and Rachel is would you like them to at any point continue the story? Um, it's an easy one to sort of say yes to because you get so emotionally involved in the characters. And if you, I just want to add, if you play this and then play um, Life is Strange for a second playthrough, or it might be more than a second playthrough but you know what i mean if you can get to episode four where you find rachel's body and you and you have a dry eye doing that then you're a stronger person than i am <laughs> yeah it I really think... it really does hit you a lot harder now you've gotten to know rachel yeah and i think i know the developers have said that chloe and max's story is done even yeah, if I think... even if you took the ending where because the if they were to carry it on they would have to do it on the presumption that you took the ending of saving yeah, her over arcadia bay so... i think you leave it where it is as i was going to say it, you do get emotionally attached to the characters and the and it is easy to say oh yeah i'd love there to be more but i just i don't see where you would really um really go like you say you'd have to assume everyone yeah, Amazing. I think maybe a series with Max would be nice and seeing where she... Because the, the trouble is you, you want to say, no, they're done. But we left it at Max at 18. Because Max survives no matter what. And we left Max Caulfield and she was only 18. So there's so much more you could do, but it's just whether it would work. So I think I'm happy with how this series is, though. Like, I think it's a really good series. I nitpicked a bit because I had to play it twice in very quick succession. Um, so there was a lot. There's a lot of things that I noticed. Mm. But I think this was just a damn good, damn good series. Really good prequel, um, even though they changed developers and they had to change voice actors for presumably contractual issues. Yeah, Still, you don't really, really notice. Well done. You don't no. really notice a change of voice actors. I was just going to add that... Um, 
you get it in TV show and um, and films where they decide to, oh, you know, we did this thing five years ago. Let's do a another film and show where they are now. And it usually ends up being a disappointment. And people say, you know, why did they bother? They shouldn't have bothered. So they probably are better off leaving it as it is. Yeah, and um, we're probably better off leaving this as it is. I think uh, so, yeah. Final thing, and then we'll hit straight into the outro. If you had to play one again uh, and you couldn't play the other, would you play Life is Strange or Before the Storm? I'd probably play Life is Strange. Uh, yeah, same. Yeah, I probably would as well, but that's not taken away from Before the Storm, which is a fabulous add-on. And we're a fabulous add-on at Rogue Opinions, and we have plenty of add-ons for you if you listen to Opinions Are Strange. Go back through the archives. Me and Jimmy covered all the happenings from San Diego Comic-Con, and by all the happenings, I mean most of them. And by most of them, I mean he about means four. Blade. He means Blade. Blade, <laughs> Blade, Blade. <laughs> I just mean Blade. We talked about Blade a lot. Um, also, go back, take a look at the Naked Men podcast, myself and the wonderful Ben E-B-E-R-T, Ebert. Uh, we, last week, we talked about Blade and Marvel as well. And, uh, yeah, you got Kayfabe Court, as um, always, so answering all the questions. Uh, yeah. You've got a Doctor Who, time and relative opinions in space with the wonderful Carl and Sean. Uh, you got the retro, the rogue retro SmackDown review with Jimmy and Scott. Oh God, you've got football's been happening or soccer if you're in America. Uh, myself and Rahul took a look at the middle of the transfer window. Content coming out your ears. Plenty more to come. As always, you can find Rogue Opinions at Rogue Unscore Opinions on the Instagram and the Twitter. Feel free to let us know your thoughts and everything we've done. You can find me at Nathan Greenaway and Carl. Where can the wonderful beating hearts of human beings find you? They can find me at Carlos underscore fire 89. And we are also setting up a rogue opinions fantasy league on the Barclays official fantasy league. If you want to join that, the codes are on Twitter and Instagram. So come and play fantasy football with us. Yeah, we will 100% pin that. The Premier League kicks off in one week this coming Saturday. Um, This will be up before Saturday. So don't think I've missed one. Uh, The final thing is we are also on Medium. That's that's M-E-D-I-U-M, Medium. Uh, We've got Anthony Fitzpatrick over there working wonders with his written word on there we've got some articles go take a look at what he's got to say but otherwise carl it's um it's time to say goodbye to opinions are strange it's It's been emotional we are going to be picking up season two but we're leaving chloe max and rachel behind forever yeah yeah we're on we're we're leaving them behind it's it's over game over for them fantastic kate marsh lives in my world, for her, uh, she's let's, dead in, she's dead in your not, world. Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about that. So the conclusion is that you're a monster and I'm not. And that's a yeah, good way yeah. to leave off. Thank you guys for supporting the series. We'll be back for let, Series 2. Let, let me in. Think. 
Yeah, let me in. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, guys, to all the episodes and to our ramblings about it. And I hope you enjoy the game. And uh, yeah, goodbye. Goodbye. Let me in. Thank you.